Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. My name is Pastor Chris, and uh, is there anyone here? It's your first time here today. I didn't get a chance to, to see that. Is anyone here? You're here for the first time. I see your hands up. Wow. Praise God. Glad that you're here. I'm glad that all of you are here. Uh, today's a special day, not just because we're doing baptisms, not just because of what we experienced, um, but I just sense so deep in my bones uh, that God is up to something so special. And uh, perhaps even as a church, we're going to look back on this date and just realize, uh, God, this was the beginning of something very special and a season here at Evangel. Um, we're glad that you're with us. We're in a series of messages. It's a three-week series, and the title of this is Overflow. It's Overflow. And what it means to overflow is it means it's something that's in abundance. It's above and beyond. It's literally overflowing. And Jesus said, and we talked about it last week, that for some of us, when we're walking through life, our life has become very dry. Maybe even our relationship with God, it's very stagnant. We feel, you know, I feel like I'm in a dry place. I feel like I'm depleted. I'm empty. I feel like, you know, I'm in even a defeated place. I've made choices that are wrong, and I've, I've turned my back on God, or I, I walk around in guilt. I walk into a church like this, and my heart's racing because I feel um, that I've disappointed God so badly. And, and I want you to know that there is one answer to those three problems for a dry, depleted, or defeated life, for a dry depleted or defeated heart, and the answer is overflow. It's the overflow that Jesus promises in his word. And so in three places, he talks about this. He says in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it what? Abundantly. That means overflowing. Jesus goes on. He meets with a woman, a woman that was at a well in Samaria. And her life was defeated in many ways because she had sinned. She had done a lot of wrong things. She had made a lot of wrong choices. And Jesus shows up at that well on that day. And when he meets with her, he asks her for a drink. And then he said, you should have asked me for one because you could give me water. I can give you living water. And she said, what does this mean? And he said this, anyone who comes to me, anyone who drinks this water from any of the wells or any of the wells of this life, they're going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them, they're never going to thirst again. In fact, the water I give is going to well up to a spring of eternal life. Do you know what that language is? It's a language of overflowing. John chapter 7, talked about it last week. Jesus is there at a festival, the Feast of Tabernacles. And as he's there and he's among the people and they're all doing all these rituals and they're carrying big pitchers of water and pouring them out, remembering how a long time ago God provided water in the wilderness through a rock. And as they're there and they're going through the motions and all they could really do in that time is all they could do is they could look back because nothing was happening in the present for them to celebrate. For them, in fact, they felt God was very far from them, very distant. And they're looking back. And over centuries, they had been waiting. Really, the Bible says it's about 400 years they were just waiting. God, it feels like you're not speaking anymore. The prophets aren't here. People aren't pointing us back to you. It just feels like you're so silent. So they're just going through the motions. And on the greatest day of the feast, the Bible says, Jesus stands up and in a loud voice says this, Is anyone thirsty? If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and ask for a drink, and I will give him living water, and streams of living water will flow out of his heart. What does that sound like? Overflow. It's the overflow, and that's the answer for a dry, a depleted, and a defeated life. 
And so last week we talked about that. Maybe that's where you're at. And maybe that's just what you needed to acknowledge. And maybe you're there today. But I want you to know, the answer isn't going to be found in anything in this world. It's going to be found in Jesus. He's the one who can do it. And I want to tell you something today, that the overflow that is talked about in Scripture, it begins at the point that you begin to follow and come into relationship with Jesus, and you are baptized in water, and it continues when you experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so this week, we're going to talk about that. We're going to see people get baptized I believe, and I said a very bold prayer, and I just believe it in all my heart, and here is my prayer, and here is my faith today for what God is going to do in this house, that if you are here, and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you have not been water baptized, that you will not leave this place without getting baptized. That's my prayer. Say, Pastor, I'm offended by your prayer. That's okay. You can be offended by it. That's my prayer for you. What keeps you from taking that step? We're going to explore that today. And so that's my prayer. So four people had signed up in first service ahead of time. Fifteen walked out baptized. Come on. God's work. He's up to something. And so today I'm going to try to keep my comments short. And and the goal of this message uh, is really twofold. For some of you, your baptism experience, that moment in your life, it also represents a time where you're very passionate. Maybe you're in that dry, defeated, or depleted place in your walk with God. And for you, here's been my prayer. Lord, pour out living water on them as they see the joy of what's happening in this moment. May it not just be for them, but may they look back, whether it's been a year, two years, or two decades, and Lord, would you renew and birth a passion and a fire in their heart? Would you revive something? That's what revival is all about, right? Bringing that which feels dead and gone and, and, and even distant back, alive, living. And so may that passion flow through your heart from nothing else than just God just rekindles it as you see others who stood and stand today where you once stood. Would it just burst something in your heart? And my other prayer, so that's part of that message. And the second part of what we're going to do here is I want everyone in the house that is a believer in Jesus Christ that hasn't been baptized to be baptized. And, uh, and that's my prayer. And so today you're going you're gonna to do me a great favor if, uh, if I don't have to stand here all day convincing you of why because I got more reasons than you have excuses. I really do. I'm telling you, and I'm ready. I'll bring them. And I'll start taking hands like, and say, what's your reason? Okay, what's your reason? Like I, I have them. And they're not from me, they're from here. Um, and so that's it. That's it, and we're going to explore what that really looks like. And so to do that, I want to bring us to John chapter 3. So open your Bibles with me to John chapter 3. And as we're there in John's gospel, there's something amazing that's taking place. And the Lord really showed me this week as I was looking and preparing for it, that it has everything to do with where we've been even as a church. You see, over the summer, we did a series called Epic. How many of you enjoyed that series? We explored God-sized stories, and as we explored them, God began to allow them to happen right in our midst. And that's just the kind of God, that's just the kind of good, good Father He is to us. And as we uh, went into that season and into that series, we started in the book of Joshua, and we ended in the book of 2 Kings. And we explored that by doing a 40-day reading plan, reading all of that portion of God's Word. And do you know where Joshua began? Do you remember that first story? Step into the story, that first message. It started as the people of God stood at the banks of the Jordan River. And they were ready to step in to God's presence and his provision and his promise. And it was at that place when, you, when, when people would go to the Jordan River, there were stones set up and they could remember. This is where God met us in power. This is where we walk through the waters. And instead of getting wet, God dried it up supernaturally, and his presence, it replaced 
even physical water, and we passed through miraculously. It was such a place of excitement, such a place of expectation. Do you have one of those places that you and your family love to go? Do you have one of those places that when you go there, you just feel good? You just love being there? In fact, when you're feeling down, you can go back to that place, and you can just be excited and invigorated again. Whenever you have that kind of place, you go back to it, and you remember it. And it becomes a place that you can just just tap into those memories and just remember, man, yes, that's it. That's it. You know, God puts those places in our lives as well. And for the people of God, the Jordan River was one of those. When they went to the Jordan, that was a place of life. That was a place to remember God's presence. That was a place of of literally (laughs) flowing and water. And just think about all the imagery that would come along with water, life, and all of that. By the time we get to John chapter 1, again, I told you it's been about 400 years. And God had been very silent. There's a portion of scripture, a portion of time, where if the Bible was a continued timeline from the beginning in creation all the way to um, the close out of the end of the book of Revelation, right around uh, 100 AD, 1900 years ago, there is a period of about 400 or so years that's just kind of like missing. Did you know that? There's just this portion of time after the prophets where there are no more prophets that are speaking like that, and we don't have any portion of God's word for that. And in that moment, in the same way that it's like, well, where's the, the voice? Where's what God's doing? The people were asking the same question. Where's God in this time? Like, where is he? And it's in that time, as they're asking that question, that this guy shows up at the Jordan River, the same place that Joshua had been. And he's there, and here's what he's saying. I am the voice of someone crying out in the wilderness, prepare ye the way for the Lord. And he's eating locusts and wild honey. He sounds like your kind of guy, Pastor Rick. I don't know. I I had to say a joke. I don't know. I didn't have any jokes. This guy has a good palate. He really like can eat almost anything I'm learning. So John the Baptist is there and he's coming and he's really preparing the way for Jesus. And where does he choose to show up? the Jordan River. But what does he say when he's standing right there at the Jordan River, a place that was a place of life? I'm the voice of someone crying out in the wilderness. You see, the place where God had been at one point in time had kind of turned into a wilderness for the people. But he called them back to that place, back to those waters. And you know what he said? Be baptized. The answer for this dryness, the answer for all these things is being baptized. It's getting ready. It's preparing yourself and standing. And, and he's saying, basically, stand with me as we prepare ourselves for the one that's coming. And so people started to get baptized there. The Bible says started to repent. They started to turn from their sins. And they're turning, waiting for one that would come. In John chapter 1, again, we're in John chapter 3. We'll get there. John chapter 1, then, Jesus comes walking by the Jordan River towards the end of John chapter 1. And as he's there, John looks to him. This isn't John the apostle who wrote the gospel of John, but John the Baptist looks at him and says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And when he says that, something strange happened. Because his disciples, two of them, they just instantly left John, and they became Jesus' di- disciples and followers. And for someone you don't, we don't understand that today, a disciple was someone that like followed their teacher and their rabbi forever. And so keep that in the back of your mind. Why in the world would two people have been following one guy for, for their entire life or their entire career just leave and just start following this guy from one sentence? Think about that. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to make a lot of sense in just a few moments. And so that happens. And so by the time we fast forward a little bit, Jesus is now entering into his ministry. I mean, what happened at the Jordan uh, River, if you don't know about it, was miraculous. Jesus gets into the water when he walks by, and he says, I need you, John, to baptize me. 
And Jesus is like, you're the one. You're the one who's come. You're God's only son. You're the Messiah. You're the one who can save us. How am I going to, what am I going to do for you? He said, do it. Because this is what God's word requires. And when he baptized Jesus, it said, just as we sang, heaven opened over me, heaven opened over them. And the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And there was a voice from heaven that said, behold, this is my son. In him I am well pleased. It was in that moment of baptism that God did something so supernatural to remind everyone around them that God was in their midst. Well, time has gone on now, and Jesus is walking around. He's ministering. And that's where we find ourselves in John chapter 3, starting in verse 22. I'm just going to read it to you. And you can see it here on the screens if you'd like as well. Here's what it says. After these things, after Jesus had been ministering, Jesus and his disciples, they came into the land of Judah, Judea, and there he was spending time with them in baptizing. And John also was baptizing at Anon in Salim, which there, there was water. And the reason why is because there was water. And so the purpose was because there was plenty of water. The translation that I have here in my notes says, why was he doing it? Because there was plenty of water. That's all that you need for baptism. You need faith in Jesus and water, and we can make it happen. Um, and there were people there that were coming to be baptized. For John had not been thrown yet into prison. Therefore, there rose a discussion about a part of John's disciples and a Jew, a certain man, about purification, or as my says here, ceremonial cleansing. I'm going to keep reading from mine. You're going to see a different translation on the screen. I apologize, but you'll follow along. Here's what it says. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, he's also baptizing people, and everyone is going to him instead of coming to us. So let me just frame out what just happened here. It says that Jesus is going along after some time, and he's now beginning to baptize some people. And it really, the Bible tells us his disciples were baptizing. So he's baptizing, and they're being baptized in Jesus' name. Whenever you were baptized, you were aligning yourself with someone. That's what you were doing. And so the disciples of John, the ones that didn't go with Jesus, they're getting jealous over something like baptism. And as they're getting jealous, and as they're, as they're going through this process, they're telling John, they're going to him now. They're not coming to us. You know, our little baptism stand over here is losing business. What's going on? And here's how John replies. And I'm not going to read through all of it. It'll take too long for us to explain it. But you can begin reading just in verse 27 of John chapter 3 and read till verse 36. And you can pick up on the, the beautiful language of this more. We just don't have time for that today because I really want to get to the end of this and I want people to get into this tank and, uh, and be baptized. But here's what John basically says. He says, listen, it's not about me and him. And it's really not even about me at all. All I've been doing is preparing the way for him. I want all of you, actually, to just go to him. He says, like, I showed up at a wedding, and you're asking me, as I'm the friend of the bridegroom, the bride and the groom, but the bridegroom, I'm his friend, and I'm there, and you're going to come to me and ask me, basically, why aren't you um, upset that everyone isn't looking at you? He said, because it's not about me. It's about the bridegroom. My joy is complete when everyone's looking at the bridegroom. If you come to a wedding as a guest and even as a friend and you're the center of the wedding, then there is a huge problem. That means you did something very inappropriate, right? 
And so John says, it's inappropriate for you to even talk this way because the bridegroom is here and my joy is complete when we all look to him, when we all run to him, when we all cling to him. And this is when he says it so beautifully in John chapter 3, verse 30. He must become greater. I must become less. You know, the context, John's telling that to his disciples about Jesus. He says, no, 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 no. Guys, this is the whole purpose of my existence, that he becomes greater and that I become less. As leaders, as pastors, man, that's a great prayer for us to all pray. He must become greater. I must become less. He must be magnified. I must be even minimized, that people wouldn't even see me eventually. They would just run to him. And just as John's saying that, see what happened? Whenever he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, those disciples who knew he must become less and Jesus must be greater, they just ran to Jesus and followed him. They knew what to do. He was like, I'm not here, but anything else, I'm a mirror. I'm bouncing it back to him. You see, we, we get so caught up in wanting to follow people, don't we? We get so caught up with allegiance. We get so caught up with loyalty. We get so caught up with taking sides. In fact, on November 8th, right? Come on, someone. November 8th? The whole nation is about to do this. There have been debates. There have been uh, ads being run. And on November 8th, there's a decision that's being made in the hearts of every American. Who am I with? Some will say, I'm with him. Some will say, I'm with her. Literally, I think that's her slogan. Others will say, I'm with them. I'm with them. And some of you are are struggling because you're saying, I don't want to be with anyone. But everyone's kind of taking sides. And on election day, there's going to be a very public demonstration of where everyone stands in America. Do you know that? We're going to sit up at night. We're going to watch. Where does everyone stand? Where is everyone aligning themselves? Where is everyone standing with? Who is everyone identifying themselves with? I want you to know when you choose who you're standing with. And we're going to actually go into a series of messages in just a few weeks I'm so looking forward to. It's going to be called Kingdom Living. And in that message, you need to pray for us because, and you need to come prepared because we're going to hit some, some heavy issues and some, some issues that are very timely, very head on. Uh, we're going to hit issues like race and politics and war and terror, the things that we are dealing with. Basically, I can remember John and Palzeri, you're here. One of the first times we ever met at a famous Dave's when I first came on staff, you were talking to me about a certain pastor and you said the thing that's so beautiful about him, I don't know if you remember this, is he can hold the newspaper in one hand and he'll hold God's word in the other. And he can just show you how it's connecting. And that's been our prayer. I really pulled, like, kind of just kept that in the back of my mind. That's been our prayer, that we're just going to hold God's word next to what's happening in the world around us. Because you're getting informed by everyone else, right? You have Facebook. Does anyone have Facebook? Did anyone throw their computer out the window yet? Uh, you're sick of Facebook. You're sick of what's going um, there's a lot of opinions, there's a lot of things swirling around. Um, we're going to hit that head on, and I want you to know you're not going to hear from my opinions. Um, that's it, like, Lord, make me less, you greater. I just want to bring you to God's word, and I want us to see the issues in light of that. Let that be the lens to lead and guide us in every way. Um, that's our heart. That's our heart for that series, and that's coming up soon. So we're going to get there. Um, but i just so reminded of this idea that when you align yourself with someone, and when we align ourselves as a nation uh, with whoever it is that will take on the uh, leader of the free world. And I'm, not, I'm never using that term again because as I was praying, I said, oh, Lord, you know, we're praying for the next leader of the free world. And I felt the Lord nudge my spirit say, I'm the leader of the free world. <laughs> I'm the leader. Everyone else said, isn't following me. They're not even free. So I'm the leader of the free world. Put that uh, in your mind. That was, that was uh, I smiled. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's, uh, 
That's it. But we'll be choosing that person, and what it will come down to is who, who are they aligning themselves with. And really, when you align yourself, you're identifying yourself with their values. You're identifying yourself with their heart. You're identifying yourself with, really, you're standing for what they stand for, right? So that's what's going to happen, and that's what's really going to take place. And, and, and I'm saying all that to you today because here's what baptism ultimately is. It's you making a public demonstration of who you align yourself with, who you're with. You see, the world is going to say, and America is going to say, I'm with him, I'm with her, I'm with them, I'm with whoever. But when we get baptized, here's what we're saying. I'm with him. I'm with him above all else, above everything else. And it doesn't matter if you can be, and I'm, I'm quite honestly, I'm not here to tell you to be with him, her, or anyone else. But I am here, as your pastor tell you, be with him. Be with him. We can talk about this. We can look at God's word, but be with him. That's essential. That's top priority. And um, so many of us, we get so more worried about this, right? Are you with him? There are some of us that we're going to be very willing to put out a yard sign that's going to publicly align us in our household with whoever it is that we're going to align ourselves with in just over a month. But some of you have still not taken a step into the waters of baptism and publicly said, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, and I need you to pray about that. Do you see it? Don't be willing to so quickly want to come and align yourself publicly with those in this world when you are yet not taking a step to publicly align yourself with the one who saved the world and the one who created the world. And that's what baptism is. Some of us, we've gotten confused about what baptism is. We think it's a means of preparation. We think it's about being ready enough, but it's not. Baptism is not about preparation. It's about identification. It's about who am I identifying with, whose values shape my life, who am I standing with, and who stands with me. And the answer above everyone else has to be Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus. And so baptism isn't about preparation. It's about identification, choosing who do I stand with. And this is what's happening at the, at the Jordan River, and this is even what happens in the Bible, in churches that miss it or churches that grow to be so unhealthy and dysfunctional. You see, what happens to, among the people of God is they always want to identify themselves with a person instead of first and foremost with the Lord. And so what happens is the disciples of John, they get it in their heads, hey, they're being baptized in Jesus' name, and they used to be baptized in our name, and, you know, they're all going to him. Now what's going on? He says, it's not about that. It's all about him. We all must become less. He must become greater. This gets into the church, and when it gets into the church, it's so unhealthy. It'll stop the work of even the Holy Spirit moving in a place. In fact, if you look here with me, and I think we got the scriptures here in 1 Corinthians. Can we put that up for just a moment? I'm going to read it here because I don't know what translation we got back there. Can we give it up for our sound and our, our technology people? I appreciate them. You normally don't notice them unless something's going wrong. All right. What do you got back there? Is it there? All right. Let's see what it says here in God's word. This is what Paul's speaking to the church about. He says, one of you says this, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollo. And another says, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. And here's what he goes on to say after that. It's coming. Give me the passage. Bobby, 
My problem is I was in three. And the reason you guys are getting this is because we just uh, prayed through this particular passage after last service to drop it in here, not in the notes. So you guys are getting the bonus from it. I'm looking at, and I'm looking at 312. I'm like, I don't see it. 1 chapter 12. Now I mean this. This 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 12. Now I mean this, that each one of you, you keep saying, I'm with Paul, I'm with Apollos, I'm with Cephas, I am of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Nor were you baptized into the name of Paul. I thank God that I didn't baptize any of you, except two of you. And he's probably pretty disappointed with them. So that none of you would say you were baptized in my name. Now did I baptize also the house, in, the house of Stephanos? Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized any of you. For Christ did not send me to baptize people in my name, is what he means, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Jesus would never be made void. If it becomes about us, you know what happens? The cross of Christ becomes void because we don't have the power to save anyone. If you're creating a following around you, you don't have the power to save them. You're in a dangerous place, right? And so that's what's happening here. And he says that division destroys churches. And we realize it and we pray against that. We want, it's all about Jesus. We want to lift him up. And we're going to do that. We're going to continue to do that. Come on, church. That's our mission. That's our goal. That's our heart. That's what we want. We'll never do it perfectly, but we're going to try to continue in everything we have to do it to the best of our ability and to the glory of God. And so it's not about preparation. It's about identification. Are you with me? So that's what it's about. And so as he comes there, he says in John chapter 3, it's this beautiful picture of that. It's not about preparation. In fact, it says in John 3 that they're arguing about ceremonial cleansing. That there's a Jewish person that's there, a religious person, all founded in tradition saying, well, it's you know, not about baptism. What are you doing? It's, a, it's about you going through the process and all the things in the temple and the ceremonial cleansing and just making sure you fit everything together just right because on the outward, that's what looks best. And that's why Jesus said to some of those people who were so steeped in religion and tradition, the reason he was mad at them is not because religion's bad or tradition's bad, it's because if you can't see past it and see what God is doing, then you're going to miss out on it. And so he gets upset with that. And he calls them even whitewashed tombs. He said, you're so worried about what's happening on the outside. It's about what's happening on the inside. And that's what baptism is. So when they're talking, it's like, no, it's an outward sign of an inward change. It's not an outward sign of an outward change because God is much more concerned about what's happening with your heart than if you, what, look the part. If you just look the right way, that's not it. I want to tell you, he could show up in a church where we all look the part, man. We are dressed to the nines. We are there. We have rolled out red carpets. We have horns. We have it all going. We're all at the altar. We're screaming. We're crying out. And he could say, I'm not showing up in church today because all that's happening, but your hearts are far from me. And I could care less about how loud you sing, how beautiful the music is, how beautiful the choir is. They're beautiful, aren't they? They're great. But God doesn't really care about any of this if the heart isn't there, if it's not lined up. What makes it beautiful is when the hearts are in it. And I know that we have worshipers here. I know that we have a body church. Is that our heart? That's our heart. That's our desire is that we do want to honor the Lord in that way. But that's it. It's an outward sign of an inward change. It's you showing outwardly what has happened inwardly. And so here's where I'll bring that to. That when you came to Jesus as your Lord and Savior and when you accepted him, we can come on up. When you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, here's what happened in your life. You made a personal decision. I want you to know that your family can't save you. Your mom following Jesus can't save you. Your mom desiring for you to follow Jesus can't save you. None of those things have the power to save you. Your good works can't save you. 
the good things you've done, the amount of payback you've tried to do to balance the scales, the cosmic scales of right and wrong can't save you. And so none of those things can save you. The only thing that can save you is putting your faith in the fact that Jesus has done everything to save you. In his work on the cross that he died for your sins and they died to give you a brand new life. Actually, bring up, keep up the lights, guys. We're good. Keep, on, keep the lights up. Um, none of that can save you. And then some of you, I'll say as much as that, none of that can save you. It's only Jesus that can save you. If you come to him, nothing can separate you from him saving you. That if you come to him, no shame, no thing you've done, no sin, no terrible secret, no thing that even no one in this world could ever forgive you of. And there may be someone here that you have that in your life. But here's what I want you to know. Even that can't separate you. Even that, if you bring it to Jesus, he'll see you right where you are. And he says, I forgive you if you're willing to give it over to me, if you're willing to look to me. So nothing else but Jesus can save us. And once we're with him, nothing can separate us from his love. Not heps, not diet, nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, who's our Lord. Can I get an amen? <laughs> amen. That's the last word in that verse. Amen. Um, and so this is what happens. There's a personal decision for you to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior. You made that personal decision. But here's what needs to happen next. That personal decision, which is normally done in private, must be followed up with a public demonstration. Let me say it again. It is the personal decision must be followed up with a public demonstration. Because that's what Jesus calls of us. He, in fact, says, if you confess me before men, I'm going to confess you before my Father. If you're unwilling to do that, if you're unwilling to do that, I don't confess you before my Father. And so hear me, because what I'm not saying is that baptism is what saves you. It's not. Because it's not a means to salvation. It's not about preparation. It's about identification. But if he has saved you, his calling for your life in the very first step you take as a follower of Jesus is to step into the waters of baptism. Oftentimes it happened instantaneously. As soon as someone turned to Jesus, if there was water nearby, they baptized them. It wasn't about going through a class. In fact, we stopped doing a class because I said, don't call it a class anymore because people are going to think that they have to go through a class before they can do what Jesus alone has given them the ability to do. And so if you respond, and when you respond, let me say today, there's only one question that you'll be asked. Well, you will be asked too. The first one is this. Do you accept Jesus? And have you accepted him as your Lord and your Savior? Have you put your faith and your hope in him? And if you say yes to that, and the second question is, have you been baptized since you made that decision? And if you say no to that, then nothing else stands in the way of you being baptized today. There's nothing else. There's nothing else. And so that private personal decision must be followed up with a public demonstration in the same way that on November 8th, the personal decision that you're going to make, who am I going to align myself with? It's great to have it. It's nice to feel it. It's nice to even, maybe if you want to talk about it, maybe you've been talking about it so much on social media, you don't have some friends anymore because you want to just voice, you know, all that's good. You could voice it all you want. You can tell everyone you want, but there is a critical day that comes. There is a moment in time that really solidifies that and it's whenever you take that personal decision and you make a public demonstration of it by voting and I want to tell you if you give up your vote 
you've really given up your voice to speak into that. You can say all you want, you can complain all you want, but there was a moment that you were called to speak up and you didn't. And I want you to know in the same day that November 8th is on the calendar, that September 25th, 2016 is on the calendar. And there's some of you that have been sitting on the ledge for just far too long. And you've been following Jesus, maybe for a day, maybe for a decade, but you've never taken this first step into the waters of baptism. And some of you, you're in that dry place and you're in that place. And here's what I would tell you. Don't complain about how dry it is if you've never gotten into the water. Don't complain about how dry it is if you haven't taken the first step into the waters of baptism. That's your first step. And I want to tell you this, that I believe that that is a key point where God's presence begins to meet you and overflow inside of your life. That's what it's about. And so for every one of you that's here today, take that next step into the waters. I had a vision of my, my daughter and just, a, you know, not a vision, but I, I was brought back to a memory of my daughter right after Josiah was born. Mandy set it up for her and I to connect and have daddy-daughter dates on Saturday mornings. So for eight weeks after the birth of my son, two months, every Saturday morning at nine o'clock in the morning, I was up and I was taking Lily to our pool at our gym. And as we went there and we were there, we went to our very first swim class. And Lily would get very excited about this swim class. And she'd swim, pool, pool, kids, water. She had a few very small words that she knows. She would do that and she'd say that. And say, yes, yes, we got the kids. We got the pool. We got all those things. And we'd get there and she'd be so excited about it. And then we'd get there. And the first exercise they would want you to do is that dads are, or, or parents are in the water and the kids are standing on the edge. And all the kids are standing on the edge. They say, all right, here it is. We're going to count to three and we're going to sing a song about an apple tree, which I could sing for you if you want later. Come and talk to me. I've learned most of the songs. And when we get to three, one, two, three, you're going to jump into daddy's arms in the water. And I want to tell you, two months went by, eight sessions, and not once, not once did she do it. Every time. You want to know what happened? I'm going to do it for you. For you. I'm holding her hands. One, two, three. All the kids are jumping. She's sitting down. Lily, pray for us. One, two, three. I think it was September 25th, 2012, we did our first public baptism. I just figured that out today. Four years to the day. We've baptized hundreds of people in that time. But I want to tell you, some of you have been coming since that day. One, two, three, boom, right to your seat. One, two, three, boom, right to your seat. One, two, three, boom, right to your seat. Is today going to be the day? There's one couple in particular. I don't know how many of you are here, but listen, there's one couple in particular that I just know that I know that I know. They hadn't been baptized. They put their faith in Christ. He and his wife, they love the Lord but they just wouldn't get in the tank to get baptized. And in, on staff, we're praying for them. I'm praying, Lord, bring them into the tank. Bring them into the tank. Lord, bring them into the waters. They're waiting. And I found that they're waiting. I want to go to Israel. And I want to get baptized in the Jordan River. And I want that to be this moment for us. And well, guess what? You know, four years have passed and you haven't been to Israel yet. And it's not there. And so I'm there. And, and I mean, so many people responded just like it's going to happen today. Uh, I know that that's going to happen. And many of you are going to respond. But I look who are the next two people to walk in the tank? It's that couple. It's that couple, and they're there. Go up in the front of the microphone. The one thing he said is this. I wanted to do it in the Jordan River, but today this is my Jordan River. This is my moment. 
This is my time that I'm stepping into the water. I'm so thankful for what God did in their life. And so I'm praying for many more. You've been sitting on the fence. You've been trying to figure it out. You've been wondering, am I prepared enough? It's not an act of preparation. It's not a matter of that. It's a matter of identification. If you identify yourself with Jesus, if you've come to him as your Lord and Savior, maybe you're in a far place today, then say a prayer to recommit your life to him, even in this moment. Turn to him with sincerity of your heart. Turn away from your sin, whatever that might be, and then enter into the waters of baptism. And say, I am going to stand with Jesus publicly and declare him as Lord. I've even made it that that act of baptism is the statement in and of itself. There's some of you, you won't come up because you're saying, every time pastor makes him speak, he makes him say something, I'm terrified to speak. You know what I realize in the Bible, that, isn't, that wasn't the sign. That they had to get up and they had to say something. The sign was baptism. This is what it says in Romans chapter 6. That you identify with Christ when you went under, you're buried with him. And when you're raised up, you're raised up to newness of life. In the last service, I baptized a couple that doesn't speak English. I could not understand the words that they were saying. And they figured out, Pastor, do we need translators? Do we need this and that? I said, no, here's all we need to know. Do they love Jesus? Have they been forgiven? Have they come to know him as their personal Lord and Savior? Yes, then the baptism speaks for itself. That's it. The baptism speaks for itself. And so today... I'm going to remove something, and I'm sorry if it's been a yoke for you. But if you're there and what's kept you there is that you just didn't want to say anything, and today's the day. You just, I'll just look to you. I'll ask you your name. You're already going to confirm it with one of our pastors and leaders that are out there when you walk out anyways. They're not going to let people get up there if they haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You don't need to say anything. Your baptism speaks for itself. I stand with Jesus. Doesn't it, church? It does. Come on, you're not with me on that one. It does. Trust me. We studied the scriptures. All right, so my iPad died, so that means I'm not allowed to talk anymore. Will you stand with him? Some of you don't feel like you're prepared because you don't have the clothes. You don't have the, um, you don't have the clothes. You don't have the supplies. We have. We went out. We bought more clothes because we almost ran out in first service. We have all sweatpants, clothes, shirts, everything you need. We're covered there. Uh, oh no, my hair is going to be wet, and we got three hair dryers for you. Uh, somebody say, oh, my, my makeup's going to run. Tell us your shade. We'll go to the store and buy it for you. Like I'm, I'm just going to remove every boundary that you have, and I'll keep doing it until you go. But my family, my family, they're not here with me. They're, they're not. They're, they're, here it is. Hi. They're online. Hi, church online. Text them, evangelchurch.com. Say, hey, I just got up. Stop what you're doing and check this out. Watch it. I'm about to get baptized. And they can join you from anywhere around the world. And if they can join you in this moment, it's filmed and you can show it to them later. The moment's captured forever in your life. And you'll receive a copy of that as you take that step today. I'm reminded in Acts, the book of Acts says they're driving along a road and there's Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch and they're talking about Jesus and he comes to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior and they drive right by this water and they say, he says, so what keeps me from being baptized today? Philip said nothing, stopped the chariot, got out of the water, into the water, baptized him right there, that day, that moment. Today, what, what keeps you from getting baptized? The only answer to that is this, you you'll keep yourself from being baptized. There's nothing else. There's nothing else. We have you covered. If it's about, am I ready spiritually? Jesus has got you covered. So whatever it is that's standing there, don't let this moment pass you by again. And it's not that I want something from you. I want something for you. I believe this is a key moment in your life that when you're willing to stand with Jesus, Jesus is willing to stand with you. There are these moments in time where you see these visions 
that happened in scripture and it tells you what's happening in heaven. One of them was this, in the book of Acts, one of the men that was killed for his faith, Stephen, he's there and he's about to be stoned to death. And it's because he stood with Jesus and it was going to cost him his very life. And you know what the Bible says? That as he looked up, he saw a vision in heaven. And you know what the vision was? That Jesus was standing to his feet. When you stand for Jesus, Jesus stands with you. And I want you to know today, if you're willing to stand with him, he's going to stand with you. Amen? Let's all stand to our feet then right now. And can we give God uh, praise and glory and honor for what he's about to do in baptisms? We're going to get started here in just a moment. We're going to continue to baptize. I hope as many of you will stay as possible. If at any point in time, because I'm believing for many to step out, that as you go, then that, that, that you would just uh, not go if you haven't been baptized. That's it. If you haven't been baptized, you wait here until they're done and let the Lord speak to your heart. And say, why have plans for what's later? Here's the only thing I have to tell you further. Ten years from now, you're not going to remember what you did after church today whatever that plan was, however important you think it is in the moment. But if you take this step today, I believe it will be a day you will never, ever forget. Keep that in mind. Can I pray for us? And I want as many of us to stay because I'm excited to see what's about to happen. Jesus, meet us here as we take the step with you into the waters of baptism. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up for all those that are going? If that's you, if that's you that's going, you go. If you're ready, you have the shirt on, go ahead. You're good, get ready, walk up. If you're ready and today's the day, and you didn't sign up for it, that's okay. We have enough shirts. We have enough preparation. Let's go. And let's enter into the waters of baptism. Let's celebrate it together. Pastor Rick, lead us.